Good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Hope you have your cup of coffee. And I hope uh, you've got your outline notes here. If, if you don't, sorry about that. They are up on the website. You can also see they're in an email this morning. But first, I want to thank uh, these two gentlemen and the lady there in uh, the studio in Marysville for preparing for this for us this morning. They were working till 11.30 or so last night to uh, make this happen, and that's fantastic. And so Jill and I are here uh, with our sleeping dog, Maggie, and hopefully we'll keep you awake uh, during our time together. I want to continue our series uh, on over the overcoming life, but before we start, I want to remind you that uh, in our last gathering, I uh, felt inspired to speak on overcoming fear. And that uh, sermon, that teaching is in our, uh, our website. It's also available in an audio. Uh, this is where people are. They're fearful. They don't know the future. They don't know what's happening. And so this is an excellent resource. This is an excellent resource for them to uh, be reminded that God wants us to be overcomers. So this morning, I want to talk about overcoming unforgiveness. And... Uh, you know, Jesus was the greatest overcomer that ever lived. And because he overcame things, we can overcome. You know, he overcame rejection. He was the most rejected man. He was the most rejected man that ever lived. He was the, the most reviled man. He was the man that received more wrath, more anger. He faced greater fears because the fears he faced, he knew what he was going to face. He knew the things that he was going to see. We, we fear what we don't know, but he, he knew what was going to happen to him. Uh, he had to overcome great doubts. You, you have to believe that uh, as a human, uh, knowing what he knew and wondering, why am I here? What's the purpose? What's the value of that? And so um, he faced those fears. He faced doubts. He received the fury, the anger, and the uh, wrath of man and the wrath of Satan. And yet in his last, some of his last words to us, he said this simple phrase, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Think about that. At a time when it would be so easy to be selfish, it would be so easy to be centered on what you were going through, he has the time and has the presence of mind to say, Father, forgive them. Why? Because forgiveness is important to God. And now every one of us has been wronged, every one of us has been mistreated, every one of us has been unjustly judged, we've maybe even been overlooked, ever been underappreciated. It's easy for those simple offenses to grow into a life-consuming, life-destroying event if we're not careful. It can eat you alive. Yet the words of Jesus ring out, we're to forgive those offenders so that we can be free. But the question always is, but how? Well, first of all, we need to recognize that we can only do it through Christ's strength. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How do you forgive someone that has continually hurt, it, hurt you and has driven that pain deep within to your soul? You have to have Christ's strength, and you have to hang on to the verse that Paul wrote. We also need to understand that we can do this through faith. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For every child of God defeats the evil world, 
and we achieve this victory through our faith. So we need Christ's strength. We need faith in him. We also need to recognize that we have redemption purchased by the shed blood of Jesus. In Revelation 12, 11, it says they defeated him or they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life so much as that they were afraid to die. So let's look briefly in point number one to God's promises to our overcome, to overcomers. First of all, in Revelation 2.7, he says, To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. That's the promise of eternal life. To every overcomer, we're promised that life is eternal. We're going to talk more about that next week on our Easter message on overcoming death. You see, eternal provision, we're given eternal provision in a name only known only to you and to the Father. In Revelation chapter 2.17, it says, to everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone. And on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. My name's Mark. When I was in college at Oral Roberts University, I was on uh, the fourth floor of the Blue Wing. 36 guys lived on that floor. Five of us were named Mark. So for four years, I went by O'Connell because that's what I was. We just could get confused. But to think that all of Jesus' followers, all of those that he holds in life, are going to be given a name that only Jesus, God the Father, and you know that is a fabulous promise. That tells you how personally God cares for each and every one of us. In Revelation 2, 26 to 28, it says, to all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them a morning star. That's, think of that. God promises overcomers authority and power. And finally, he promises a place of victory and peace in Revelation 3.21. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. So let's talk now about God's perspective concerning unforgiveness. God, first of all, views forgiveness seriously. It is a serious issue to God. In Ephesians, uh, verse uh, chapter 4, 26 and 27, it says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. God says to us, don't let those things that cause offense be something that you don't address in the day that they happen. Because once that happens, you go to sleep at night, then the, the hurt whisperer, Satan, begins to speak to those things. And more importantly, he begins to interpret those things. And suddenly your perspective about a person, about the thing that happened, becomes tainted and it becomes something that can poison you. So God views forgiveness seriously. Unforgiveness is petty from God's perspective. It's petty. Why wouldn't you forgive? You're a forgiven person. You have been forgiven because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Why wouldn't you forgive, God says, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 15. But if you refuse 
to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That is a powerful statement. To think that I need to forgive others so that I can experience the full dimension of God's forgiveness in me. So many times, friends, we can hang on to something and then we wonder, how come I don't feel what I felt with God? Why can't I address those issues that I have felt with the Father? Well, he says it very clearly. If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, there's some that might ask, do you mean if I don't forgive someone that I, I might not make heaven? Well, guess what? I can't make that call, and God is a fair judge, and only he can. But I do know this. The sense that we are forgiven, the understanding that we're forgiven, the knowledge that we're forgiven, the feeling that we're forgiven is a liberating thing. It's a liberating truth. It's a liberating power. And so uh, we want to recognize that from God's perspective, unforgiveness is a petty thing. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, there's a story. Peter, could have been Mark O'Connell, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now, he's thinking the Jewish rabbinical law says three times. So he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show Jesus that I'm spiritual. I'm going to double it and add one. I'll go for seven. And so he says seven times. And Jesus responds, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Well, does that mean that 490 times is how many times Jesus wants us to forgive? And then once we do, uh, he says, okay, now you can hold it against them. Well, that's not the truth. The idea is you're not going to remember that many offenses to that level. He said, then he tells this story. And let's look at it for a minute. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In that process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Uh, scholars say this could have been anywhere in today's currency from 13 to $15 million. It, it was a lot of money. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him, and please note this word, and he forgave his debt. He forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I'll pay you. Be patient with me, and I'll pay you, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now think of this. Here you have someone that has a debt that is about four lifetimes or five lifetimes worth of income. And he has forgiven that debt. And now he has someone who owes him something that probably four or five, maybe six monthly payments 
could take care of this debt. And what does he do? He has him thrown into prison. He has him put into bondage. Now think about it. What good is that? Because now the man can't work. Now the man can't create any income. And so that really wasn't a smart thing to do. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very, very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Verse 34. The angry king sent the man to prison to the torturers. And he's going to be there until the debt is paid in full. How long is he going to be there? The rest of his natural life because he's unable to pay that debt. Then it says this, this is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. Who do you think those torturers might be that God would allow to rule or reign or have influence in our lives? They could be those thoughts that never let you go. It could be the angst that you have, the anxiety, the fears. All of those things could be a result of the torturers being released on you because of unforgiveness. I personally believe that the torturers that are referred to here that God could release would be demon spirits that could antagonize us. People live in those kinds of things, and we don't need to live there if we forgive. Number C, we view forgiveness differently than God does. We view forgiveness. God forgives unconditionally. He just chooses to forgive because that is his nature. For us, we want to forgive after someone shows that they are sorry, that they've made uh, some kind of recompense. In Psalms 103, it says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. But he knows how weak we are. He remembers we're only dust. You see, God understands our humanity. And so he gives grace for our humanity. But uh, it's very hard for us sometimes to give grace to others' humanity. So point three, what is forgiveness? There's some things that I want to point out this morning. Forgiveness, first of all, means that we permanently forgive all debt and bring the balance to zero. Forgive all debt, bring the balance to zero. Although the master forgives, someone has to take the consequence. 
Someone has to take the consequence. Well, Jesus took the consequence for us and paid the debt of our violation, of our sins. He paid for all of those things. He suffered greatly for those. And because of that, we are able to forgive and we put it in God's hand. Secondly, we forfeit the right of reproach. I'm sure all of us have had opportunity to have situations where we have been forgiven or we have forgiven someone else, but in the back of our mind, we file it in case we need to pull that out later as a trump card in a situation. Well, when you truly forgive, you permanently give up the right to bring it up again. That is an important, important point. Once I forgive, it should be over and never stirred up again. Forgiveness means permanently foregoing all expressions of judgment. You know, God is the judge. I'm not to talk about or label a person. Now, forgiveness does not mean that I can't protect myself. See Matthew chapter 10, where it says, be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. Forgiveness doesn't mean that I can't confront the person. Forgiveness does not mean that there won't be punishment or consequences to the person for their actions. And it also doesn't mean that I can't seek legal or police protection. But I am going to put the judgment card into the hands of Almighty God. Point four, how do you forgive from your heart? First, we need to remember that our sins cost Jesus his life. This week, Holy Week, today's Palm Sunday, next week is Easter. You talk about an ebb and flow of a person's life to go from coming in on the first day of the week, crowned as king and savior, and uh, Hosanna, he's the one that we're waiting for. So by mid-Wednesday, the tide is turned. Thursday, he's a hunted man. Friday, he's crucified. But thank God we celebrate next Sunday the fact that because he lives, we shall live also. Those sins that we committed cost Jesus his life. Don't forget Jesus' sacrifice. We deserve judgment, but Jesus died in our place. Our sins placed him on the cross. Second, we need to remember that God loves our offender as much as he loves us. This has always been a hard one for me. I'll be honest with you, friends. Sometimes it's really easy for me to uh, be righteous in a self-way. It's easy for me to be judgmental. And it seems, sometimes seems so unfair. God, why should I forgive this person? And I realize that there are others that are dealing with me that are saying, God, how should I forgive Mark? Why should I forgive Mark? Well, I need them to, because forgiveness does something for the forgiver more than it does for the one who's forgiven. God loves the offender as much as he loves us. We should not devalue or label others. Letter C, make a permanent release of their debt to us. So I'm releasing the debt to me, and I'm releasing judgment to God. I'm saying, Father, it is in your hands, not my hands. Just as God forgives our sins and casts them as far as the east is from the west and never brings them up again, we're to respond the same way. We're to have a zero 
balance in reproach and judgment towards the person. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 19 says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Letter D, bless and pray for them. Now, I'll be honest, this is the hardest one for me. I'll raise my hand, maybe you're raising your hand too. It is really tough to bless someone when they have hurt you. It is very challenging. But I will tell you this, if you begin the simple process, and I'll tell you where it was for me, it's like, Father, I, want to, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them, I don't feel it, I'm saying it because I need to say it. I began to play, pray blessing over their home and over their business, and it was killing me to do it. And what I found out over a period of time, that it went from a, a time of anguished and forced to where it became heartfelt. And when that happened, I discovered one day that that thing that had bothered me so much, that unforgiveness had been released, and I realized it was now in God's hands. He could take care of that, and he could take care of me as well. Last, resist Satan. Satan will use unforgiveness as a trap to torment you. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. James 4 says, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. Resist him. Just because a thought comes, just because an idea comes, just because a feeling comes, doesn't mean it's inspired. You own and control the gate of your mind. You choose to reject the thought. You choose to reject the feeling. You say, that has no place in me. Be gone. Just because it's a thought doesn't mean it has to stay there. You own that gate. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Another point is don't go to bed angry. Deal with offenses and hurts every day. And don't take up other people's offenses. That can be just as bad. Here's the thing. As I said earlier in this teaching, when we don't deal with things the day they happen, now they're subject to interpretation. And I can tell you, when you're asleep at night, there is someone working on a plan to interpret that in such a way that to, to separate you and your relationship with that person, but also to put a gap between you and your relationship with God. Don't go to bed angry. That's a great thing for married couples. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now I'm going to point out that anger is okay. Jesus was angry. It just can't be something that we allow to fester into our spirit. Next, don't rehearse or nurse the hurts. You know what I'm talking about. When I was uh, younger, 
I had another young man that uh, decided one day he was angry at me, and so he took his car and tried to run me over. Uh, I was able, obviously, to uh, avoid that encounter, but I will tell you, for weeks and months, I used to dream of a boxing match that I would have that person in the ring, and of course, I was a mix of George Foreman, Joe Frazier, and Muhammad Ali. I could float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, and pound them into submission. And I fantasized over that for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks because that guy had tried to run me over. I was rehearsing and nursing the hurt. And in reality, his anger wasn't even towards me. It was towards someone else. I just happened to be on the road. Now, to let you know that you can deal with this, that you can address it, and the things that I've shared in this teaching are true, later on, this person was a member of my church, and his children attended my school. Next, don't harbor unforgiveness. Matthew 6 says it this way, If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. 1 John chapter 3, we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the adversary. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. In Jeremiah 4.14, it says, Wash your evil from your heart so that you may be delivered. How long will you harbor evil schemes within you? Don't harbor unforgiveness. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, anyone, I'm going to focus on that, anyone who does not live righteously does not love other believers and doesn't belong to God. See, here's the key. Unforgiveness does not hold the offender captive. It holds us captive. Forgiveness releases us to experience life's freedom and joy while placing the correction and judgment of others in God's hands. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Pray that it's received not only as we're live, but as it remains on our page. May this uh, be a word that encourages, inspires our friends and family. May it be a truth that we enjoy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I turn it back to the guys in the studio, uh, Jill's coming to join me. And uh, I want to encourage you during this season, there's much better looking in the screen, don't you agree? You can all nod your head in the distance. So I want to encourage you to stay connected, stay connected. I want to encourage you to stay connected to God. Jill's going to share a couple of things that she does that helps in that. Hi, church family. It's so good to see you all online today. Um, isn't, hasn't it been great just listening to Mark just speak the truth of God's word to us? Um, I just wanted to share with you, um, this is a really hard season for a lot of people. And, you know, for those of you who are having to homeschool, um, and be, have your kids in the home, like you're not used to, and maybe you're not able to go to work and you're all kind of cooped up in the house, it's really hard. But I just want to encourage you to really focus on the things that matter. Um, have a quiet time every morning or evening, whenever it's most convenient for you. But 
Um, download the YouVersion app on your phone, and you can pull up a lot of different translations. One of my favorites is the New Living Translation. Um, it's just really something that you put inside your heart every day, read to it. There's um, devotions on there that you can just press, um, you know, and just click on it, and it'll give you encouragement. Um Anyway, it's just really very beneficial because it really changes the focus from the things that are really bugging you and can it can really put peace back in your heart. So I just wanted to encourage you to do that. Great. Thank you, dear. I want you to stay connected to The Rivers. If you're watching today, you know that we have a website, therivers.org. I also encourage you during this season to be faithful in your giving. Uh, Jill and I went on last night. It's very, very easy to do. First time you set up an account, and after that, it's it's really, really wonderful. Uh, I want to share with you, friends, that during this season, our church, uh, we're part of an organization, the Foursquare Church, that uh, one of our covenant agreements is we tithe 10% of our tithable income. In other words, things that are given to the church, not business income like rent, but things that are gifts. We give to the organization, and that's used for the planning of churches, for missions uh, all over the world. And, uh, and also, some of it now comes back to the local church to use for missional efforts. If we decide we want to make a contribution to a uh, uh, homeless shelter or women's ministry or things like that, we have those uh, resources. I want you to know during this season of time, we as the leadership of the church have taken a step of faith, and we have paid those extension tithes for the first three months of the year. I believe God will bless our church when we're faithful and I encourage you, as God has blessed and prospered you, be faithful to the church. You can give online at therivers.org. Stay connected with us on Facebook, the official page, The Rivers Church. Some of you are watching there. We also have a private group. It's called The Rivers. Uh, look it up. Send an invitation to that. Uh, Greg and, and Dale or some others administer that. The reason you want to be in that private group, maybe you want to share something with the church family that you don't want to be for public consumption. That's the place to do it. Also, I want to share with you about a new Instagram uh, location. It's entitled Creeks underscore and underscore rivers. And uh, as we begin something in the next couple of weeks uh, regarding the weekly uh, teaching uh, devotional, You'll go there and you'll find some encouragement. You can email us, general information, info at therivers.org. If you want to talk to Jill, you want to talk to me, it's mark at therivers.org. We'd love to hear from you. Now, through all of these avenues, each week we're going to have teaching from our services. We're going to have a weekly devotional. And then I've asked Greg every Wednesday, I'm going to send him something or we'll figure something out to send something encouragement. It might be a song just to have you go through the week. It'll be a YouTube channel. Check it out. Get it in your spirit. It might even be something funny some week to encourage you, like Michael Jr. comedy, things like that. Now, not only stay connected to your church, but stay connected to each other. For those of you who are techies, things like Zoom, Google Hangouts, which is how I'm coming to you today. Uh, house party, Jill uses with uh, her colleagues at work. Uh, for those of you that aren't so tech savvy, you can go back to the old school things of email, or text, or even calling. That would be great. Now, finally, before I turn it back to the guys and the lady in the studio, I want to share with you, next week is Easter. 
I'm excited about our time together, looking forward to being with you. I want you to get prepared for that. We'll have the outline out there early so that you can download it and follow along in the teaching. But I also want you to prepare for virtual communion. So I need you to find some kind of juice, cracker, bread, whatever you want to do. And we'll have a virtual communion service next Sunday as part of our Easter celebration. It's so good to be with you. We love you. Looking forward to the days that we can be together again. God bless you. May his peace be upon you. The peace of Christ be with you all.